0: We are starting a new series, and I am super excited about it today. It's called Generosity, and if you notice, our intro video is a little bit longer than they usually are, but I said, I want want as many images about generosity and and what it looks like as you can find, and they said, really? I said, yeah. (laughs) See, during this month, we're going to focus on three things that generosity is. Today, I'm going to share with you that generosity is practiced, and we're going to get into what that looks like. Next week, Andy's going to share with you generosity as sacrifice. We're going to talk about the service aspect of generosity that you saw some of that in that video. And then finally, or sorry, then generosity is planned. You have to have a plan if you're going to be generous. You don't; It just doesn't happen by accident. And then finally, the last Sunday of this month, I'm really excited about that one. Generosity is turned upside down. And I promise you, you stick around for this series. I'm going to blow your mind by the time we get to the end of October. And it's going to be, I don't want to oversell it, but it's going to be amazing, okay? Um, I want to start out with a quick question for you. This is audience participation. You can just holler it out. There's, there's no wrong answers. That's what teachers say and stuff like this. They don't mean it. Um, <laughs> but, but what do you think about when you hear the word generous or generosity? What, what comes to mind when, when someone says that word? Food. Food? Okay. What else? kindness. Okay, what else? Generous or generosity? That person's very generous. What do you think of? Go ahead. Charity. Kind. just say time? Time. Okay. Are you telling me to hurry up? Look, I I've got an hour and a half. It's in my contract. Oh, no, okay. No, time. Yeah, it's giving generous, being generous with your time. What else? Generosity. Anything else? Service. Somebody said something over here. Say it again. Scrooge. the, the antithesis of generosity. Yeah. But he did. He changed. He changed. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. He was a miser and then he just started throwing money everywhere. So, alright. So, so we have a good, a good idea about generosity. Um, I tell people, and sometimes this is dangerous, but I tell folks what I'm preaching on and, I was talking to Miss Lillian, and I said, hey, I'm preaching on generosity, and she said, I've got a great story for you about generosity, but you have to call my pastor from Virginia, and so I did, and he said that they were at a time where their church needed some extra money, and, and he said, he, he really just asked, he pleaded to the congregation, we're going to take up a special offering, and, and I just want you to be more than generous, and he offered this is what he offered he said now I wouldn't really recommend this but sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures and he said he promised whoever gave the most money at a special offering would be able to pick three hymns of like their three three hymns of their choosing and so they did this special offering and and the offering plates were passed and and the deacons were counting it out and one of the deacons jumped up and he showed the pastor he said hey someone has graciously offered Two $100 bills just neatly folded together and and the preacher was so excited about this this gift of $200, he immediately shared his joy with the congregation and he said, listen, he said, I want to personally thank the person that placed this $200 in the plate And, and, and very quietly, Ms. Lillian raised her hand, she was sitting in the back. And she really didn't want to draw attention to herself, but he wanted to celebrate her generosity. And so he called her forward and she came all the way to the front, slowly making her way towards him. And the place was just packed out. And he said, "Miss Lillian is so wonderful that you were able to give this much, to dig deep like that, spurt a moment, no notice, to give that money. And he said, you go ahead and you just pick out your three hymns. And Ms. Lillian's eyes lit up and she looked around the auditorium and she said, I pick him and him and him. <laughs> And, and she went and sat down. And they took her to lunch. No, that's not true. That didn't happen. Now, y'all, should be ashamed for talking about Miss Lillian like that. Now, she may have given generously, but she missed the point along the way, didn't she? You see, if we're going to practice generosity, it, it does. It starts with a heart change. That Rebel Heart song is just perfect. You see, if we're going to practice generosity, it starts with how we live and we need to live in love. We need to remember also as we go through this series on generosity that generosity is a practical expression of love. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We we use that verse. Sometimes it gets overused, but I want you to, Think on the simplicity of that as we go through this series on generosity. See, I'm going to share with you today how to practice generosity with three simple steps. And if you were paying attention, you saw them on the on the on the uh, the intro video. Live simply, give more, expect less. I'm going to break that down for you today because some of you are okay with the live simply part. Some of you are okay. With the give more part, but when I say expect less, we all kind of pump the brakes on that one. Hold on, we've been brought up to expect more, supersize it, value size it, make it quick. It needs to happen. Megamart, all that kind of stuff. We're gonna start off with what it looks like to live simply. As we consider the generosity practice of living simply, I'm reminded of another story. I won't mention any names this time. Uh, I'm a very successful small town lawyer. He had made quite a name for himself, and he'd made quite a lot of money. And the story goes that a local United Way office realized that the organization had never received a donation from this man. And so the person in charge of contributions called him up to talk to him about the needs of the community to see if he would consider making a a benevolent donation. And during the phone call, he informed the lawyer, he said, Our research shows that out of a yearly income of well over $500,000, In the past 15 years, you have never donated anything to this community, not even one penny to a charitable cause here in this town. Now, wouldn't you like to give back to the community in some way? Wouldn't you like to bless the people in this community that just need a little extra help? And the lawyer, he mulled this over for a moment, and then he replied to the person on the other end of the phone. He said, well, first of all, when you did your research, did it show that my mother is dying after a long illness and has medical bills that are several times her annual income? The United Way representative, somewhat embarrassed, mumbled, no, no, it didn't, didn't show that. He says, or, or did it show that my brother, who is disabled, is blind and confined to a wheelchair? Did it show you that? Now, this, this United Way rep is clearly rattled, and he says, no, no. Uh, He's trying to stammer out an apology, and he interrupts him again. He says, "Or my sister's husband died in a traffic accident a few years ago, and the lawyer's getting very indignant. He says, leaving her penniless with three children. Did your research show you that? Did it? And now this time the humiliated United Way rep is just completely beaten, and he simply said, sir, I had no idea. But the lawyer cut him off again as he was stammering out an apology. He said, now let me just tell you something. If I didn't give any money to them, why should I give any money to you? He also missed the point that the practice of generosity, didn't he? See, I believe this. The amount of money you make has no bearing on the generosity you practice. It's the amount of heart you have that has a bearing on your generosity. It's not the amount of money you make. You see, if we live, if we live simply... If we live within our means, we can all practice generosity. But I want you to understand, don't tune me out. Because when preachers start talking about, like, generosity, some people think that's a churchy word for give us more money. And that's not where I'm headed today. All right? I do believe that if every member of a church, any church, Huntsville Christian Church or any church, if every member tithes 10% of their income, I don't think any church in America would ever have a budget issue. Okay? But But it's a heart thing. It's not a money thing. All right? Some people... Tithe well, some people don't. And so I just want to say that it's it's a heart issue. But I believe every church that if, if the members tithe 10%, no matter what you make, budgets would be made and churches would be doing really crazy things in the community. But not everyone practices generosity. Maybe sometimes we're more like that lawyer than we'd like to admit when it comes to giving back to God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus gives us some advice about practicing generosity. And no, it's not the story of the rich young ruler some of you might be thinking of, but it goes like this. He says says to his audience, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. And then he says this, for where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. Where do you think the lawyer's heart was in the story I told earlier? So, now that we've got that, on a scale of that lawyer and what Jesus just shared, where's your heart when it comes to generosity? Don't answer that out loud. Just think about that. You see, the unique thing about this passage is that Jesus is, is reminding and keeping with some of the Old Testament passages about generosity. and He wraps it all up in just a few verses for us, and he challenges his audience. He challenges us with a choice. We can be like the lawyer. We can accumulate time, and, or well, we can't accumulate time, but we can accumulate a house or money or cars. We can accumulate great wealth. We can accumulate stuff here on earth like that lawyer And by the way, that stuff ultimately has no real value. Or we can use our physical resources in such a generous way that we're investing it in the coming kingdom. See, we need to be kingdom workers now. we We need to be investing in the kingdom now. I believe that when we are generous with the things that come through our life, when we are generous with our lives, we are actually sending it ahead and we'll be cared for by God no matter what your needs are. You see, the beauty of this passage is found in the promise that Jesus makes. He says, if we invest our resources in God's kingdom, our heart will be pulled in that direction as well. If you ever find yourself praying that God would awaken a desire in your heart for kingdom things, try practicing generosity here on earth for a couple of months. As a matter of fact, I want to set you all up. I want to set you up. I want to challenge you this month to begin practicing generosity all month long with your time, with your talents, with your money, with your vehicle, with your home, with your lawnmower, with your Halloween candy. Practice generosity throughout October. Did I say Halloween? Yes, I did. Listen, if you live in a neighborhood where kids go trick or treating, whether you like Halloween or not, I don't care. Kids like to dress up. Kids like to knock on a door and say "trick or treat," and kids like to get candy. If you live in that neighborhood, if you live in that apartment complex, I am throwing down the challenge. Give generos- generously. Don't buy those little fun size candies at Walmart. All right, to an eight year old, there's nothing fun size about that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. When they show up at your door, you give generosity, lots of generosity. You go to Sam's Club, and you buy up a couple variety packs of full-size candy bars. There's nothing fun about a tiny candy bar when you're a kid. Or, Or, thank you, (laughs) all right? But when they knock on your door, trick-or-treat, and you open the door, and you drop a full-size Snickers bar in their candy bag, you watch their little eyes light up. You practice generosity. Well, you may be thinking, that's a great idea, but those candy bars are expensive. You're right. But when we live simply and we work ourselves into a place where we can live simply, we are able to give more and practice generosity in little situations like that. What does the Bible say about giving more? Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. He says this. Paul says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope On the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. So that they may take hold of that which is life Indeed, you see, Paul said to Timothy, you tell them to live simply and to give more. Do good. Be rich in good works. Give more. Be generous. Be ready to share full-size candy bars, not fun-size candy bars. If you're going to store up treasure, let that treasure be the good foundation for the future. And by the way, that good foundation is your life built on Jesus Christ and being a reflection of him who gave amazingly great gifts to us. Live simply. Give more. Give more of yourself. Give more of your time. Give more of your money. You pick whatever it is because God richly provides everything for our enjoyment. It isn't his desire to withhold or keep pleasure from us. In fact, he wants us to experience true pleasure. He wants us to experience the joy of being rich in his goodness and being rich in his generosity. Paul echoes this sentiment. It's prevalent throughout Scripture. Our benevolence now is an investment in eternity. Live simply, give more. When Paul puts it that way, who could turn it down? I want to talk about investments in eternity. Real quick. We've got this washing machine up here and I shared with you all last week that this is this is about our Loads of Love campaign. This is the this represents a commercial washing machine. Ooh, there's money in there too. Good. That helps. This represents a commercial washing machine at a Christian hospital in Mashoko in Zimbabwe in Africa. So far, we have raised $440 not counting Ooh, what's in there? There's some dollar bills. Um and our missions team has said they would match that dollar for dollar. Up to did Mark? did you say two or three thousand dollars? Somewhere in there. Uh, somewhere in there. <laughs> Alright. Well then I'd say we sh- I should say we should all get busy and live generously because it looks like it's just a washing machine. But I've been to that hospital and Janet's been to that hospital and Tammy's been to that hospital. And every person that goes into that hospital as a patient gets one-on-one time with a pastor that works at that hospital and other volunteers that sits down and tells them, I don't know what brought you here. And we've got doctors and we've got medicine, but we've also got a heart and we've got a a great physician and his name is Jesus. And they invest in those people because when someone's in the hospital, you have a captive audience. They're not going anywhere. The neat thing that the outside of that story is when I was able to go... And we went, I went and visited some people in their homes, and one of the men that I visited went into the hospital with HIV-AIDS. He'd given it to his wife. They had, they had just had a baby, and, and he was going to die. They kept telling him that he had uh, um, uh, tuberculosis and other stuff, but he got to the hospital. They said, no, you have HIV-AIDS. And they said, you probably will, in fact, die. And, and he, he was skinny. He had lost a lot of weight. But they started treatment with him. They started investing in him. Suspicion, that's the name of the pastor, which I think is a great name for a preacher. Uh, His name is Suspicion. And he started ministering to this man and telling him about Jesus Christ. And before the guy left the hospital, he got baptized at the hospital because the hospital has a baptistry, which is a pretty awesome thing. I think all hospitals should if they don't. But he got baptized at the hospital and I'm visiting him in his home and I'm holding his his baby and he's talking, he's telling this story. And he he says, eight months ago, I couldn't walk and today you're in my house. He said my wife, his wife was going to leave him because he had infidelity and had brought a disease into their home. But because of the counseling and because of suspicion and because of the medicine, he was healthy. He had put way back on. And and literally, I wish you could, be, you could have been there because I'm sitting on the only little stool they had, which was kind of scary because they were like, here, sit here. It's our best seat. And I was like, okay, one, I'm holding your baby. Two, you're putting me on your best seat, which is real small, and I'm scared. But I sat there and and prayed, and it had strength, um, and that was good. But this guy's telling his story. He goes, eight months ago, I couldn't hardly walk, and today I'm physically fit. Yeah, I still have AIDS. Yes, I'm going to die, but Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He's come into my home. My wife has forgiven me. Through the counseling, we've come through to a whole new place. He says, and I can do this. And this guy starts jumping up and down like getting air. And we're just in this little house. Like I'm like, easy, because you're going to knock yourself out. We're going to take you back to the hospital. But he was so excited. That's what that washing machine represents. And if you're thinking, how can I make a difference to people that live in Mashoko and Zimbabwe? Clean out, clean out the couches, clean out, clean out the change jars, clean out your extra bank account. I don't know, maybe you don't have one of those. But be generous. Be generous. Paul says, Our benevolence now is an investment in, an, in eternity. Live simply, give more. When Paul puts it that way, how could you turn it down? It's obvious that being conformed to the image of Christ includes reflecting his sacrificial and giving nature. He you can't outgive God. Whether it's your time, your talents, your money, whatever it is, you cannot outgive God. I think that we can use our own generosity as a gauge for our own spiritual health. You see, how open are you to give your time, your money, your talents, your abilities, your, your vehicles? How open are you to give? Because I think we can gauge our spiritual health on that. I had someone this week uh, said to me in a conversation about loaning their truck to a family member. I said, it's God's truck, just toss him the keys. And he said, it's God's truck. Or he, he, say, he said, no, he said, he said I'm God's but my truck is mine. That's what he said. Now, before you judge my friend, how sacrificially do you live? Who, who right now will come up and set their keys right here for the next person that needs to borrow a vehicle? I know there's a few of you and the dealership keys don't count. i <laughs> got one of those guys that works at a car dealer. There are a few, but it's easy to sit back and say, well, how could somebody do that? But when someone comes to you and says, I need your keys, Will you give them to them? Make no mistake, practicing generosity will always cost you something and it's not always just nickels and dimes and dollars. I loaned my trailblazer to somebody for for a while. Two weeks after I got it back, I was told by the mechanic, you're going to need to put a new engine in this. But that does not deter me from loaning it to the next guy. I tell him, check the oil. Revelation 20, verse 12, John writes this about the beauty that is in Christ's promise for those who practice generosity, who live simply, who give more, and who expect less while we're here on earth. And he says this, I saw the dead and the great and the small standing before the throne, and the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Write this down, John. I'm coming soon, and I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. This is accountability for how we live here on earth. We will be repaid according to our deeds. So, what do I mean when I say that we should expect less? Simply put, and contrary to popular beliefs, we are not entitled to anything. We are not entitled to anything. The amazing thing about God's grace is we're not entitled to that. So we shouldn't go through life thinking we're entitled to something here on earth just because we were born. Actually, let me take that back. We are entitled to something. We are entitled to practice generosity because God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's what you're entitled to do. I think that when we don't practice generosity, we're actually robbing God. And I'm not talking about in tithes and offerings like in Malachi, but, but uh, they're kind of related. But when generosity is not practiced in our lives, it's like the ultimate robbery. And I'd like to take um, full credit for what I'm about to share with you, but I stole it from someone else. The ultimate robbery is us robbing God. And it's not that we're holding back what we will or what we should give to God. The ultimate robbery is in the fact that we don't allow God to have the relationship with us that he's always wanted to have with us from the start. That's the ultimate robbery. That's why generosity starts back in your heart. It's not about your pocketbook. It's not about your wallet. It's not about your bank account. It's about your heart. And when we're not being generous, we are not giving God. We're not God allowing God to have the relationship with us that he's always wanted. That includes not how we give alone, but how we live. You see, from the very beginning, God created us to be in a relationship with him. He walked among Adam and Eve in the garden. And then they stole from him. They took a fruit that didn't belong to them. They ate it and they sinned. And God gave them everything. But they didn't practice generosity. It wasn't in their heart. You might say they practiced entitlement. We have this whole garden and then they were tempted And I'm not making light of the situation, but just think about that for a minute. They didn't practice generosity. They practiced selfishness instead. They they didn't rob God of a fruit. they They robbed God of a relationship that he intended to have with all of us. And now here we are, a room full of selfish people. And we've come here to worship our unselfish God. I believe that every problem in life, every problem in marriage can be fixed if both the husband and the wife practice generosity. But far too often, we are too selfish for that. That's what sin is. Sin, be say sin is missing the mark. No, sin is a selfish problem. Sin is thinking more of yourself than you ought to. It's thinking more of yourself than you think of God. Sin, it, when we sin, it, we sin because we're selfish. It's a self-gratifying situation. No matter what the sin is, you pick it. Lying, stealing, cheating, lust, murder, whatever. Pick your favorite sin. We sin... Because generosity is not being practiced in our hearts and it's not in our lives. It's that simple. Well, how can it be black and white? Because it is. Sin is selfishness. And when we're sinning against God, we are not being generous in our life. We're not being generous in our heart. But praise be to God that he is generous to us. Not wanting any one of us to perish, but to have eternal life. You know what? We're like that guy from Les Mis. Some of you are familiar with this. His name is Jean Valjean, I think, if I pronounced it right. I probably messed it up, but it's okay. Um, But here's how it works. God's invited us into his garden, into his home, and we steal the fine silver, which is what happened in Les Mis. We steal the fine silver and we sneak out into the night, and then we get caught with this bag full of sin, or in case of Les Mis, it was a bag full of silver. Because that's what happens when we sin, we... We rob God. We get caught stealing the good stuff. And then they they bring this guy back and they tell the priest, hey, he stole your stuff. And the priest says to the police officer and they miss, he says, no, no, in his haste to leave, he must have forgotten the silver candlesticks that I also gave him. You see, all God wants is a saving relationship with us. And it's time that we stop stealing from God. It's time that we stop robbing God. It's time that generosity is practiced in this place and in this community. Maybe it's time that generosity is practiced in your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with your grandparents, with your brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles. I don't know what's going on in your family situation, but I really do believe that if you want to fix a relationship, bring generosity to the table and see what happens. It's time for us to live simply. To give more, to expect less, and to practice generosity. As we come to our response time this morning, we need to decide what that looks like for ourselves. Are you ready to commit this month to practicing generosity in your life? In your commitment to your relationship to God? I'm not sure what that looks like for you. Maybe in order to do that, you need to get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need a moment to, to pray with the elders about the season of life that you're in so that you can come to that place where you can begin to practice generosity. But whatever your response to God's word is today, will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to his word accordingly and prepare to live generously? And i got to tell you, it's been great to be here with you guys today. But now it's time to go to win and commit to grow, because that's why we're here. As you go this week, look for ways that generosity can be practiced in your life. I suggest you start by looking into God's Word and seeing how it can change your heart and finding ways that you can begin to live simply, give more, expect less, and practice generosity. Will you sing this last song with us?